Would you open God's precious holy word to 1 Samuel 24? And while we're at it, oh, okay. <laughs> and let's, let's dance to the first verse. David spares Saul's life. <laughs> the, you know, I have to restrain myself. I, I walk around with a sixth grade boy's mind all the time. And I could say that this is a moving story, but I won't say that. You'll see why when we get in here. <laughs> but our focus is on the faith and Godwardness of David. Total, total investment of his life in the will and direction of God. Something rarely seen, really, uh, among the leaders and characters of the Bible. It is seen here up to this point in his life more than at any other time. So let's look at this uh, account of David's adventures running from Saul. This was a temptation, this, this event in the cave here. And who could have blamed David? But let's read about it. David went up from there and he stayed in the strongholds of En Gedi. And it was when Saul had returned from following the Philistines that they told him, saying, David is in the desert of En Gedi. Now remember, Saul has spies everywhere. He also has counselors and advisors, as well as spies, who are giving him what he probably wants to hear. Namely, that David is conspiring to kill Saul and he's trying to raise the people insurrection against Saul and all this because none of that is true. But Saul hears what he wants to hear and depends more and more on people who will tell him what he wants to hear because this benefits them. Saul took 3,000 picked men, chosen men, from all of Israel, and he went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. Now that tells you the description of what they named it, that it's, a, it's difficult terrain. So he spreads his men out all around looking for David and David's men. He came to the sheep coats on the way. There was a cave. And Saul went in to cover his feet. He went in to use the bathroom in a major kind of way. 
That's why I said it was going to tell us of a moving experience here. And I would love to dwell on that, but I'm going to move on. Because the next phrase is funnier than that phrase. David and his men were in the cave. So this is his privy. This is his private bathroom. It was written in Deuteronomy uh, that the people of Israel and especially the marching people, the soldiers, they had to follow a code of sanitation. And a, and a soldier in the camp had to leave the camp if he had to relieve himself. And everybody agreed with that. So David and his men, the sovereignty of God, in a place where only goats can walk and these men were skilled enough to climb up into a side of a, of a rocky hill and find a cave, a large cave, because David had a lot of men with him. And of all of the caves and of all of the places Saul could have gone to use the bathroom, he decided to go to this particular cave. So he goes in for his private moment <laughs> and packed into the other end of the cave watching Saul were David and his men. It's just a good thing that I wasn't there. I would have giggled somewhere along the way. But they were disciplined. They were able to stay quiet. Watching the glory of Saul. Now, note David's conviction about the moment. David's men said, look, the day concerning which Yahweh said to you, Behold, I shall deliver your enemy into your hand and you shall do to him as it will seem good in your eyes. Now here's the thing. There were a couple of similar statements to this earlier in 1 Samuel, but there's no statement like this. They, they, it's, it's, it's like they interpret the word of God to fit the moment that pleases them. David, however, had a stronger spirit, a spirit of discernment and, and a spirit of leadership. Remember, he had been anointed and the spirit of the Lord had come upon him. And if you could imagine men who, are, who have devoted themselves to you, they've even brought, brought their families into difficult situations and they lay their lives on the line for you in battle and follow your command and they're all convinced that this is a time that Yahweh had said, I'm going to deliver your enemy into your hand. And the unanimous counsel of his men was, kill him. You've got him. You got him. <laughs> he, he, will, he will never be more vulnerable than this. He, you know, he, he don't even have his sword belt with him. David arose and secretly severed the skirt of Saul's coat. 
In one of the Psalms, David says, you have taught my you have taught my hands to do battle and you've skilled my fingers for war and my feet to run and move. And he credits God with all of the skills that he has. Now you think of the skill of stealth that, that, that David had along with his men, but David, David is able to move quietly, secretly, stealthily, without ever giving away the fact that anybody was in that cave and can come close enough to Saul to cut off a portion of his robe, of his king's robe. And it was afterwards that David's heart smote him for he had severed Saul's skirt. Now here's the deal. It, was a, it would be a humiliation to Saul, an insult, a, a, an extremely humiliating thing for this to have happened. And David didn't even, after he did it and the deed is done and he retreats back to his men, he, he recognizes this conviction. He, the truth is he didn't even have it in his heart to insult the king, to humiliate Saul. He reflected on it and he came under conviction over what he had done. And he said to his men, Yahweh forbid, forbid it for me that I should do this thing to my Lord, to Yahweh's anointed, to stretch forth my hand upon him for he is the anointed, it should say he is the anointed of Yahweh, but he is Yahweh's anointed, that's okay. Uh, Yahweh's anointed, that's a good way to say it. Now, there's a deep truth here. Yahweh does not unanoint people. Now, he may let them die, he'll let them, or he'll kill them himself. But it's never someone's prerogative or presumptuousness to enter into the life of the anointed of Yahweh such that he would kill him, just cut him off. Like, this is my decision to make. Because he's Yahweh's anointed. This is a deep, this is a, a, a deep conviction that, that David has and it is also a very, very strong uh, conviction of, of faith. Whatever Yahweh has done, Yahweh is supreme. He is sovereign. And when Yahweh is ready to undo it, he'll undo it himself. This is David's attitude. David stayed with his men with these words and did not allow them to rise up against Saul. Saul arose from the cave and went on his way. It was a time of temptation and a time of conviction as well. And in my view, it is a test that David passed with, with flying colors. Sometimes in a position of leadership, you have to make the decision 
that you're convicted with, even though everybody else's idea is against yours. Because David here had to bounce this thing off of the will of Yahweh. He had to send it up in his mind and from his heart. He had to send it up into the presence of Yahweh. It would seem like those men thought this was something that Yahweh had arranged for the purpose of David killing Yahweh. And it would seem that at that moment, David could have taken the throne. But I'm not real sure it would have worked out that way. Because Saul had several ambitious men serving as his counselors. And only Yahweh knows what would have happened had David killed Saul at that point. In the 54th Psalm, I believe it's the 54th Psalm, David prayed to Yahweh that somehow Saul could be made to know that he was not Saul's enemy. To, to paraphrase and summarize, that Yahweh would vindicate David in the sight of Saul and the sight of those who had given him bad advice and counsel. And Yahweh now answers this prayer here. David arose afterwards and emerged from the king, uh, sorry, from the cave after King Saul, saying, Milo Adon, Adon, my Lord, the king. And Saul looked behind him, and David bowed with his face to the ground and prostrated himself. It would have been a great shock for Saul to turn around and see that, king, that David was in the very cave where he had just, where he had just, from which he had just emerged, was hiding in there. It's very obvious what kind of an opportunity David would have had. But look, look, at, look at the action and behavior of David. In all, with all respect and in all dignity, he still acknowledges that Saul is his king. He calls him by the title deserving of the king. He acknowledges that he's king. And then he bowed with his face to the ground and properly prostrated himself in the presence of the king. Nothing threatening there at all. And David said to Saul, why should you listen to the words of a man saying, behold, David seeks your harm? Now, in the presence of his advisors and counselors and, and officers of his army, David proves that all of the talk about him is false. Behold, this day your eyes have seen how Yahweh declared you today into my, delivered you today into my hand in the cave. And one of my men said to kill you. 
But my soul had pity on you, and I said, I shall not stretch forth my hand against my Lord, for he is the anointed of Yahweh, or Yahweh's anointed. And Father, see also the skirt of your robe, your coat in my hand, for in that I severed the skirt of your coat, and I did not kill you. Know and see that there is neither evil nor transgression in my hand, and I have not sinned against you, but you are stalking my soul to take it. Check out your robe. A clean cut from a portion of his robe. Now that would have taken a sharp weapon. That would have taken a sword sharpened and ready with one slash to kill a man. He was that close to him. If he was close enough to, uh, close enough to cut off the corner of his royal robe, he was close enough to cut off his head. And he didn't do it. And Saul still didn't know that it happened until David calls his attention to it. Look at your robe. Does that, like, does that look like, given the situation, that it came from the hand of a man who wants to kill you? May Yahweh judge between me and you, and may Yahweh avenge me of you, but my hand shall not be upon you. David, in the, in the hearing of his men and in the hearing of Saul's men, and of course in the hearing of Saul, calls forth Yahweh to be his witness. Let Yahweh be the witness. Saul couldn't say that. David could, and it took a lot of courage. I'm not going to do a thing to you. You can, you can chase me into the ocean if you want to. I am not, regardless of how many opportunities I have, I'm going to let Yahweh avenge me of you, but it won't come from my hand. As the proverb of the ancient one, from the wicked comes forth wickedness. My hand shall not be upon you. In other words, flowing from my heart with regard to you, there is no wickedness. You still are my king. Now think about it. He was Saul's champion. He saved Saul's kingdom by killing Goliath. He was promoted to the head of the army. He at one time had been Saul's great commander of armies. And he was his son-in-law. In all of these ways, David saw himself as endeared in his own way to King Saul. And so he says, this wickedness doesn't come from me. If there is wickedness, it's coming from the heart of the wicked. After whom has the council, has the king of Israel come forth? Who are you pursuing? A dead dog, a single flea? No, I'm David. I was the commander of your army. I killed the giant. I saved your kingdom. I'm your son-in-law. I have soothed your spirit with my songs. I have sat with you 
at your table. We have been close. Who am I? Who are you pursuing? And Yahweh shall become a judge. And he shall judge between me and you. And he shall see and plead my cause and exact justice for me from your hand. Mm, a prophecy of how Saul will die. David is saying, I don't have to do anything because Yahweh is going to do it. And Yahweh is going to use your hand to bring forth his justice. Then finally comes the affirmation for David. And it was when David finished speaking these words to Saul that Saul said, is this your voice, my son David? And Saul raised his voice and wept. And he said to David, you're more righteous than I, for you have repaid me with goodness while I have repaid you with evil. And you have shown today how you, how you have dealt with me and how Yahweh delivered me into your hand and you did not kill me. For when a man finds his enemy, does he send him away safely? In other words, I realize now that I'm not your enemy. You don't consider me an enemy. And may Yahweh repay you with goodness for what you have done to me on this day. And now behold, I know that you will reign and the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hand. But this is not his, his pitiful wail here is not going to stop him from continuing to pursue David. Huh. There it is. That was such a powerful point. It, it blew the, it blew everything away. And now behold, I know that you will reign. Confession of Saul. The kingdom is yours and will be established in your hand. What am I doing? Well, there's that one's working. And so is that. Oh, hey. Huh? Well, I, I know my I know my translation's correct. <laughs> well, I, it's back there. If if uh, you'll trust me, yes, yeah, but just turn around. Now, swear to me. Here, the last of it here is going to show you the selfishness of Saul. For all that he has said, he's still concerned about himself. And now swear to me by Yahweh that you will not cut off my seed. Now you see, that would have been in his mind. You listen to people long enough, they'll reveal what kind of person they are and this is how I would have treated you. So I don't want you to treat me this way. Of course, David wasn't that kind of person. Don't cut off my seed and you will not destroy my name from my father's house. David swore to Saul. And Saul went to his home. And David and his men went up to the stronghold. So there is a reprieve that's granted here. And Saul in his 
Saul's words and the words of his evil counselors have all come back to roost at the, at the center of the set of circumstances of the issue, which namely David, and this was the purpose of Yahweh, that David did not have the heart, the evil heart that people said that he had. But contrarywise, or juxtaposed against that, I guess, the heart of Saul is revealed. Everything that he claimed David was trying to do, he was doing for his own purpose and his own selfish will. Now we know this works itself out finally to where Saul commits suicide. Later on, but we're also going to find immediately after this chapter, well, and around chapter 26, that Saul resumes his hatred and his pursuit of David. All of which, through the sovereign purpose of God, is building David even in the eyes of Saul's army. His army, are, they're kind of innocent. They, don't, they just follow orders. The closer the advisors, the counselors, the, the higher ranked officers, they are the ones who are being ruined even more as, as the action continues between David and Saul, which in the end of it all will help to establish David as the king of all of the tribes. Now that's no, when we get there, we'll see that's no easy thing to accomplish. 12 independent tribes and 10 of them are holdouts for a while. Um, but finally, through all of this and how Yahweh has worked in the life of David, all of which David can stand on by testimony and witness, not only of his people, his men, but of the men of King Saul, the greater the greater number of people, all of the tribes finally will come to conclude that David is Yahweh's anointed to be king, not just over Judah and Benjamin, but to be king over all of Israel. Well, we'll stop here and we'll have a deacon prayer time.